the Detroit Pistons are on an eight-game losing streak, but they have been missing a ton of their guys. Should injuries be used as an excuse during this eight-game losing streak? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons Podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today to get started. So I want to apologize for not having an episode after the last, uh, after the last game. Um, you guys can probably hear it in my voice right now. I'm not, I'm not 100%. I'm feeling pretty sick. Me and my wife have have gotten really sick. Um, so that's why I didn't have an episode after the last game. Now I apologize if my voice sounds I'm a little off for this podcast. I apologize in, in, in advance. Um, but I've, I've seen the Pistons community kind of start to lose it. The Pistons are on an eight-game losing streak. So now all the fans and, and everyone's kind of losing it. Everyone's kind of pressing the panic button. Everyone's like, it's, it's over with. It's, it, you know, it's spiraling out of control. This season's doomed. Um, so in today's podcast, I'm going to talk about in this order, are injuries an excuse? What's this team? What this team's plan is for this year, and has Cade Cunningham been good enough? So stay tuned for all that. But first, we'll talk about the injuries. So the Pistons are on an eight-game losing streak. No shocker to anybody. Um, they are without Boyan Bogdanovich. They are without Monte Morris. They are without Jalen Duran. Um, they have been without Isaiah Livers. They have been without Joe Harris. They were without Alec Burks for a good chunk. They were without Jay and Ivy for a good chunk. So should the injuries be used as an excuse? Yes and no. This is the thing. I, I know people, Monty, Monty Williams, that is, keeps saying that he doesn't want to use injuries as an excuse. And the players should not. The players that are out there on the court 100% should not be using it as an excuse. And I really am not using it as a full-on excuse. But I think you it would be almost be it, it would be like you're kind of acting blind if you were to act like now if it was just Boyan, no. If it was just Boyan and Monte, no. If it was just Monte and 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 and, and, and Burks, no. If it was just those guys, okay, no. But when you're missing Boyan, Monte, Burks, Jane Ivy, Jalen Duran, uh, Isaiah Livers, Joe Harris, like these are at least five to six guys that were going to be in your rotation. They're all just gone. All of them. They just weren't playing. A few, okay. More than half your rotation, that's that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt, no matter what anyone tries to twist around about it. The fact the Pistons have had to play Jared Roden so many minutes. They've had to play Stanley Umude so many minutes. Like, the fact they've had to play these guys, James Wiseman. In fact, James Wiseman's having to play minutes. Like, that stuff is a trickle effect that hurts the team. And the, and the fact that all of them are having to play together is hurting them. It, it is a it's serious... I'm not even going to say it's an excuse. It's a good explanation for some things that have went wrong with the Pistons, okay? So, I won't say an excuse, 
but a fair reason for some of it. For some of it. For the other half, I would say no, it's not an excuse. Because there's at least two to three games. The Portland Trailblazers game was definitely one of them. Um, they had a lead late against the Warriors. They had a lead um, in the second half against the 76ers. They had a lead late against the Bucks after Giannis went out. Like, those are four games right there that the Detroit Pistons could have won. They also went against a shorthanded Pelicans team without Zion or Brandon Ingram. They went against the Suns team that didn't have Bradley Beal or Devin Booker. So it's, it's not like the Pistons have not had chances in these games. They should have won the game against Trailblazers. They should have won the game against the Warriors. They should have won the game against the Bucks. They could have won the game against the Sixers. Like, these are games they could have won. And some of them they should have won, whether they were injured or not. And that falls on the guys that are on the court. And it's okay to say that these guys on the court need to be better. They need to be better. The one area that they absolutely need to be better in is turn the ball over. They cannot continue to turn the ball over how they are, whether it's whether it's with Boyan on the floor, Monte on the floor, Livers on the floor, Durin's on the floor. Like, they cannot turn the ball over this much and expect to win with anyone on the floor. It's not going to happen. Cade's averaging a career-high 4.9 turnovers. Isaiah Stewart's averaging a career-high 2.4 turnovers. Jalen Duran's averaging a career-high 2.8 turnovers. Arsar Thompson's averaging 2.2 turnovers. You are not going to succeed in the league, in the NBA, if four of your starters are averaging two-plus turnovers a game. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen with three of your starters are averaging a career-high in turnovers. It's not going to happen. You're not going to win when your team is second in the NBA most turnovers per game. It's not going to happen. You are not going to win the NBA when you are giving up the most points in the entire NBA in points off turnovers at 22.2 points a game. You are not going to win that way. So the main reason, the main reason why the Pistons have been losing is because of turnovers. They need to take care of the basketball. And if you watch some of those games I just pointed out against the Trailblazers, the Warriors, the Bucks. The key reason why they started falling apart, they started turning the ball over at worst possible times. And the team got on a run, they got started getting things going, and the next thing you know, the Pistons lose the game. If the Pistons take care of the ball, if they cut their turnovers down in a, by a third, heck, even by a quarter, they probably have two to three more wins right now. So that is the main reason why I feel like they are losing these games and then why they're on an eight-game losing streak. Cade can't turn the ball over this much. Cade Cunningham has to be better. Jalen Duren cannot turn the ball over 2.8 times a game. He has to be better. Stu, for as low uses as he is, cannot be averaging 2.4 turnovers. That just cannot happen. Asar Thompson has to slow down and not turn the ball over as much. And I don't know what injury or how, you know, people coming back from injuries is, is that, that has nothing to do with injuries. Everyone keeps saying Monte Morris is going to come slow it down when you start him next to Cade. Killian's starting next to Cade, and he's averaging less than a turnover a game. How much better is Monte going to do? That's not on anyone else but these guys. These guys need to stop turning the ball over. These guys need to make better decisions with the ball. That's just what has to happen. That is the main reason why the Pistons are losing these games. And we'll get into this a little bit more in the second segment. But the Pistons are starting right now, and the whole message has been defense, defense, defense. And they're starting what's supposed to be, I mean, not right now anymore because Duran's been hurt and he's been out. But when Duran was healthy, they were starting a defensive first lineup with Cade, Killian, Nassar, Stu, and Duran. And their defensive, I saw someone tweet this out earlier, that starter's defensive rating is at 17th in the NBA. If you took the starter's defensive rating, it's 17th in the NBA. We'll dive into this more later. 
trust me, we will. But with the turnovers issue, if you cut down the turnovers, that probably is a little bit better. You're probably even higher than that if they just stop turning the ball over. Because I don't think their half-court defense has been too bad overall. But the, the turnovers are killing them. The turnovers are literally shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again. So, are injuries an excuse for everything? No. Can it explain some things? Is it making life somewhat harder on Cade? Yes, it 100% is. Is it making life harder on the team? Is it putting more responsibility on young players? Yeah, it is. But despite that, the Pistons have been in positions to win games, and they just have shot themselves in the foot. There's been quite a few games where I sit back and say, the other team didn't win this one. The Pistons lost it. And that's completely on whoever's on the floor right there. Nothing to do with injuries. So, when I, I can't wait to see this team get back to full strength. Can't wait to see what the rotation is going to look like. Hopefully, it helps them out. Hopefully, they play a little bit better basketball. Hopefully, it can end this losing streak. All that stuff. But, to blame everything that's happened with the Pistons so far on injuries, it's not true. It's absolutely not true. All of it cannot be washed away by just injuries. These guys need to be better. Kate Cunningham needs to be better. All of them need to be better. And that's fine to say. Let me know what you guys think about this. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. When we come back, we'll talk about the turnovers again. We'll talk about the starting lineup because I want, I want to talk with you guys about what this team's plan is for this season. And I think there's a disconnect. Actually, I know there's a disconnect between what the organization and this coaching staff plan is for this year and what the fan base's plan is for this season. And whether fans like it or not, I, I just want, I think it's, it's a conversation that needs to be had so everyone understands what exactly is going on in my estimation based off what I know and what I'm watching. What I, I just want to relay it and kind of be the middleman here. So stay tuned for that. Um, we'll talk about that when we come back. But first, let me tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Ibotta. How does free Thanksgiving sound this year? Ibotta is giving you cash back to help make sure your Thanksgiving table is complete. Because who wants turkey without the gravy? Turkey is great, but we all know the best part of Thanksgiving dinner is the sides. With Ibotta, you can make sure you get the whole family's favorites of side dishes and the turkey, all while getting your cash back. Starting November 1st, for the fourth year in a row, Ibotta is giving 100% cash back on your Thanksgiving feast. Just add the offers in the app to redeem for everything you need to make your Thanksgiving feast complete. All you have to do is shop at your favorite retailers and upload your receipt. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. Trust me, my wife has a Target account. There's all kinds of little rewards that my wife has, and they don't give you cash back. They give you a bunch of points that like you can't really use. But with Ibotta... It gives you cash back and you can spend on whatever. You can also earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Download the Ibotta app now and use code LOCKED to get 100% cash back on your first Thanksgiving dinner starting November 1st. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED with Ibotta. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Uh, let's, let's get into it, man. What's this team's plan? There's so many different 
there's so many different ways to go about this. And as I've seen, there's almost no calm way of talking about this because everyone's so on edge right now. Everyone in the Pistons community is just ready to spaz on everybody and lose it on anyone and give up on this team and stop caring about this team and, and, and you know, this season's a failure, this rebuild's a failure, all this stuff. I need everyone just to take a breath. I need everyone to just relax and calm down. First thing is, we are only 11 games into the NBA season. The NBA season is 82 games long. And I hate to do this. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen for the Pistons. I'm simply just bringing it up to show that an 82-game season is a very long season. The Detroit Pistons in the first year SVG took over, they were 5-23. and And everyone remembers how after they dropped Josh Smith, they completely turned their season around before Brand Jennings got hurt. There was talk about them getting into the playoffs after a 5-23 and start. That's not to say this team is going to do that. It's to say that an 82-game season is very, very long. And 11 games is nowhere near enough to be writing uh, you know, final conclusions on a team, to be marking a team dead, to be saying nothing can change moving forward, nothing can, you can't do anything. Like We are still very early into the NBA season. Everyone needs to just relax and consider that and understand that. That's first. Now... Moving into what this team's plan is. If you guys remember, before the season started, right before right before the first NBA regular season game, we came on here and we talked about what the Pistons starting lap was going to be. We, we speculated that it was going to be the one that we've seen because we saw it in the preseason. It looked clear that they didn't want to start Jane Ivey. So we, we had already talked about how, hey, it's probably going to be Cade, Killian, Hassar, Stu, and Duran. And on that podcast, I told you guys, we had a full-on talk about what would be the best to maximize this team this year. And for those of you guys who are my everyday listeners, you guys remember, I said, for this year, to maximize the most wins, the personnel that you have suggests you need to go more offensive. Because if you go, and remember, we brought up the defensive and offensive ratings from last year. They were both towards the bottom of the NBA. I believe defensive rating last year was 29th. Offensive rating, you were like 27th or 28th. I said that if you went with that full defensive lineup, with just those five guys, and then you know played a rotation around it, you maybe could go, and this was what I took a guess on, I said you maybe could go from 29th in the NBA defensively to middle, slightly below average. You can be like a slightly below average defense. You go from like 28th to like 19th maybe, 19th, 18th, somewhere around there. And so far into the NBA season, the Pistons have jumped to 21st in the NBA in defense. They, that which is a, it's an improvement. They've went from 29th to 21st. But like I said, even if you go all defense, you simply don't have the personnel on this team that if even if you go all defense, you're not going to get that huge of a jump because you just don't have those type of defenders on your team. When your best defender is a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old rookie, I mean, even if Asar is great, even how good Asar is, the fact you, you're relying on a 20-year-old to be your best defender was immediately red flags. The fact that your big uh, offseason acquisitions was an aging Joe Harris, who's probably going to be out the rotation when everyone's full strength, and Monte Morris, or Monte Morris, like that doesn't sing, that's not singing well for your defense. So, so far into the season, I think they've kind of backed that up because it's clear that Mont- Monte Williams has said they're going full defense. Troy Weaver is echoing the defense, and they've and their actions on the floor have echoed pure defense, which means this. 
if they were to go offense, I believe then if you gave Cade optimal spacing, and let's say you went with, you said, you know, screw the development of the young guys. We just want to win as many games right now, this month, right now. We want to win as many games as possible. If you went out with the lineup of Cade, Ivy, um, maybe Asar, Boyan, and Durant. Or maybe even Cade, Ivy, Boyan, Livers, Durant. Like, just to give utmost spacing. And just a pick-and-roll game. Yeah, I think the offense probably could jump from, like, where they were last year, about 28th, to probably the, a, a top-half offense, somewhere around 15, 14, 13. Because that's how good Cade is when he has space. When you have optimal spacing, I do think Cade has proven that he can be really damn good. He just has not had that through his career. So if they wanted to go offense, if they wanted to go results immediately, results right now, that snap or an, a lineup like that is what you would have seen by now. I know some people will point to injuries, and we'll wait and see when it, everyone comes back healthy if they do something like that. The actions of the team and the words of the coaches in the team tell me that's not what's going to happen, which tells me this. They're not worried about immediate results right now this year. They are worried about building a defensive foundation that they know, I, I mean... These guys are professionals. They're not stupid, okay? They know what this is. They know that their defense is probably not going to be great this year. They know that their defense, and by the way, you guys remember when Monty said that he wanted this team to be a league average defense, I came on here and said, I don't know how, I mean, I think league average is probably the best outcome possible for this team. I think slightly below average is probably where they're going to be at. Um, and right now they're 21st, the Stars defensive rating is 17th, which is slightly below average. They know this. But their idea, based off what I've, what I understand, and what they've shown on the floor with their actions, is that they are wanting to build a defensive foundation, understanding that may sacrifice wins in the, in, the, in the immediate future. They know that they may not win games immediately by doing this, but they think it's more important to do so and to do this uh, for the long term rather than go offense first right now. They think that's going to have a lesser impact long-term than what they're trying to do right now. Now, whether you agree or disagree with that, that's on you. But that's what the team's plan is to me. That's what it seems very clear to me what the team's plan is. And I, look, I, I don't know if they're going to be right or wrong. I have to wait and see how it plays out. I can't say after 11 games if their whole idea is a longer-term plan I can't say after 11 games, oh, it's a failure because that's not what they're aiming for. They're not aiming for the first 11 games of this season. They're not aiming for the first 20 games of this season. They're not aiming for the first 30 games of this season. They're looking more longer term. So again, whether they're right or wrong, I, I, I'm going to have to wait and see. But it seems like Pistons fans, which is fine, Pistons fans want these results now. They want these wins right now. They look over at the Houston Rockets and they see they've won six games in a row and say, why can't the Pistons be that way? Well, I, look, I'm sorry to break this to everybody. But I said this all offseason because of their, their actions. The Pistons' actions said it loud and clear, but no one wanted to listen to me. The Houston Rockets and the Pistons both had to lock house space this offseason. One team went out and spent $62 million on some veterans that would help them win immediately. The other team took on an expiring contract for an aging player who hasn't been good for a second-round pick, and then another guy with a second-round pick. If I gave you a blank slate, a, a blank preview, and said, didn't tell you what this team, who, who this team was, and didn't tell you who this team was, which team do you think sounds like the one that's trying to win right now? And which one sounds like the one that maybe doesn't care as much about winning right now? Like, the actions speak louder than words. And I, to me, it was very clear, it was very clear that, look, I, and I said this throughout the offseason, it's not that they're trying to lose. They want to win games. 
but they're not making moves to to emphasize the now. If they did, if they cared about the now, if they wanted, if they truly felt with some of the things that have been said, if they truly felt that this season they had to make the plan, this season we're making the plan. If that's how they felt, you would not have seen them taking on Joe Harris's contract for a second round pick. You would. That's not. That's not what they would have done. They would have not have taken expiring contracts to kick the can down the road to next offseason to have flexibility next offseason or to have flexibility at the upcoming trade deadline. That's not what you do if you are if your sole focus is this upcoming season. That's not what you do. The Houston Rockets, I like their team. I like their young players. I like watching them. I think they're a cool young team. But the Houston Rockets use their cap space to get Dylan Brooks, who's playing really well for them and is a vet who's been on multiple playoff teams, and Fred Van Vliet who's a defender, along with Dylan Brooks, who's been on playoff teams, a been on championship team. Those guys, the Houston Rockets are better defensively. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. Like their defensive rating, fifth in the NBA. Did their young guys get better? Yes, their young guys got better. Have the Pistons young guys got better? Yes. Does K look better? Yeah. Does Isaiah Stewart look better? Yes. Does Killian Hayes look better? Yes. Their Pistons young guys got better too. Except the Pistons young guys aren't being complimented by vets that, in, that are impacting the now and doing what it is that the, that the team's speaking they want, which is defense. If the team really wanted to be a good defensive team immediately this year, they would have went out and got defenders. The Pistons young guys have gotten better just like the Houston Rockets young guys have gotten better. Except the Houston Rockets young guys are being complimented by defenders. Legit defenders who have been on playoff teams, impact players who have been on championship teams, in Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. Meanwhile, the Pistons are playing Jared Roden and Stanley Yamude because of injuries, obviously. But even the guys that are coming back, they're not great defenders. So, does this team need to win more? Yes. Could they have won more games despite all that? Yes. Like, these guys need to play better. That's also a, just a simple case of it as well. Like, the players that are on the roster right now have had chances to close out and get wins. They just haven't done it. Those guys need to be better. They need to hold themselves accountable for how they've closed games and how they've acted in critical situations. That has to be held to them as well. But, like, I think everyone just needs to understand I don't believe they'll – I don't think they're going to lose 10, like 30 straight games or anything, okay? I think they're going to be better. I don't think they're going to finish last in the NBA. I think they're going through a tough spot right now. They, once they get their veterans back, their, their, their older guys, once everyone's 100% healthy, I don't think this team's going to be the worst in the East. I also don't know if they're going to be good enough to even push for the play-in. But to me, the actions have said to me that that's not what they were aiming for anyways. What they were aiming for was development – and to see which guys fit together, which guys fit with Cade long-term. That's what their goal is. And their other goal is to build a defensive foundation that maybe won't win them game, as many games as everyone wants this year, but will sustain and, and, and create that identity and culture for the long-term. So I think that's very clearly what this team's plan is. For those who are out there, I see many Pistons fans confused about what they're trying to do here. I think it was very clear with their actions, what they're trying to do Um and that's, that's why I got for you guys. So let me know what you guys think about this. Comment section down below or over on Twitter, at Kukiel. When we come back, this is a conversation I've been seeing a lot of Pistons fans, apparently, have really want to have. They, they really want to have this conversation. It's about Kay Cunningham and about whether he's been good enough or not. I, I never thought I'd see the day that Pistons fans really want to have this conversation about Cade. Um, but... You know, I guess we'll have it. We'll have it when we come back. But first, I've got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. Score early. 
with this NFL season and NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. And this app is so easy to use, I promise you guys. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Now, I'm looking at the FanDuel app right now. We got a game happening later on at 10 o'clock between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Sacramento Kings. There's no favorite within this game. Both of them sitting at minus 108. However, I'm looking at the over-under scores, uh, points scored in this game at 227. I'm going to go ahead and take the over in this game. I think the Kings are going to put up some points. The Aaron Fox is coming back in this game, too, um, as they're missing some extended time. I think they're going to go over 227 points, and I think the Cleveland Cavaliers will not cover the spread at, at one point. They are at... Minus 112 to do so. I don't think they're going to cover the spread. Um, but that's the kind of thing you can do over at FanDuel. Obviously, you can do it with Pistons games as well, but the Pistons don't play today. Um, so but that's the kind of thing you can do over at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL and NBA season. Again, you get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, we are nearing, we're about 300 subscribers away from 7,000. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast, the best way to support me. I'd really appreciate We're on our way to 10,000 subscribers by the end of this upcoming season. I think may, I think we could possibly get there, but I need you guys' help. So please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. But here we go. Let's have the conversation, man. This I don't know if I'm going to spend a long time in this segment or not. Like, I'm kind of, I'm undecided right now. I may go on to a little rant, but I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see how this this, convers- or this, 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 this segment plays out. Has Kate Cunningham been good enough for the Detroit Pistons? Everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I love Kate. I think Kate can be a future top 10 player in the NBA. I think he can be an MVP candidate in the NBA in his future. I think his ceiling is off the charts. I think he's absolutely going to be awesome. I think he's going to be absolutely a superstar. So everyone knows where I come from. I'm a fan of Kate's. I think he's big time. Has he been good enough? Well, good enough for what? Good enough to get this team into the play-in? No, he hasn't. Has he been good enough? Well, what's the standards we're using it for? Because this past game against the Chicago Bulls, I thought Cade was truly bad. I thought this game against the Bulls, he actually was a, he had a very bad game. And I thought in this game, he, he actually did. I know there's been some Pistons fans who overreact and try blaming everything on Cade, you know, and freaking out. I haven't agreed with that. But I thought this past game against the Bulls, I, I did think that this one, he actually did hurt the team. And I thought he was actively holding the team back in this past game. It happens. It's a, again, it's an 82-game season. He'll probably have another one of these games. LeBron has these games. Steph Curry will have these games. Everyone has a game. Or everyone has games where they just don't have it, and they have a truly bad game. Cade had this. That was this game. It was a truly bad game by Cade. Does that mean he's been a failure this season? No. I don't think he has. I don't think he has. Before that pass, this, this pass game against the Bulls, through 10 games, 
He was averaging 24 points a game, 7.1 assists, 3.7 rebounds, 42% from the floor, 31% from deep on 6.6 attempts, and averaging 4.6 free throws, shooting 87% from the line. Is that perfect? No. But at the end of the season, if you came up to me and said, Cade averaged 24 points a game, 7 assists, almost 4 rebounds a game, he shot 42% from the floor, 32% from deep, and 87% from the free throw line, if you told me that at the end of the year, I probably would have said, okay, that's about in line with what I probably expected from him. That, that's right in line. I, I probably would have liked the efficiency to be a little bit higher. But overall, that would be close to what I expected from him this past season. If you told me that Cade was going to be having to start with, instead of having spacing around him, instead of having you know an absolutely you know optimal alt offensive lineup and, and structure around him, Instead, they went with a pure defensive lineup, and he ended up having to shoot. What, what's he shooting right now? 21 shots. Yeah, 21 shots a game, and his usage is as high as ever. If you told me that, then I probably would then say to you, oh, well, that makes sense why his usage was high, or that's why he wasn't as, as efficient, I should say. Oh, that makes sense. That's why he wasn't as efficient. He had a lot of the offensive burden, and they wanted to go more defense. That's what I would say. And that's what's happening right now. That is exactly what's happening right now with Cade. If the team, if, if if Cade was out here running with Boyan in the starting line, now he's been hurt, and when he gets back, I think it's going to help. But if, if if Cade was out there running with Boyan and Jaden Ivey, and maybe even like without Stu on the floor, I had a Sar instead, like or or if you had without Stu or a Sar, maybe you had Livers or someone who could space the floor, and then Durin, Cade's efficiency would go way up. His like it's just clear as day. Now, the three-point shooting, the first six games, he was hovering around, like I think, like 37 38% from deep. This last five games, he's, like, shooting 14%, 19%, somewhere around there. So, that's he's probably in between there. That's kind of streaks you go through as a shooter. You'll have super hot streaks, and then you'll have super cold streaks, and you're usually what you actually are is probably somewhere in the middle. So, I'd assume at this point, now, catch-and-shoot-wise, he's been a good three-point shooter. He's been good on catch-and-shoot. But pull-up shooting, I'd say he's probably in between there. He's probably like a 32% three-point shooter on pull-ups. I think I, I, that's why I would – I think he's somewhere in between there. He's just on a cold streak after having a really high streak to start the year. But, like, he has a 46% two-point percentage right now. That that almost entirely I would blame on the fact that he hasn't had good spacing. He hasn't been able to get to the rim consistently. He hasn't gotten clean looks around the rim because – so many people are helping off aggressively at the nail. The nail is help defense at the wing. So, like, if a guy, let's say Kate had the ball on the left wing, he goes to drive middle, and let's say Killian Hayes is on the right wing, Killian Hayes' defender is at the high post digging in, trying to swipe and take away the drive. Some guys get aggressive nail help. Some guys don't as much. So, usually, if you have a spacer or a guy that someone's scared to leave, you won't have as much help on the nail. So now you can get easier driving lanes. You can get to your shot better. If you have someone like a Killian Hayes or someone like an Isaiah Stewart or someone like a, a Sar Thompson that teams are willing to give, they'll play aggressive off the nail to take a drive away from Cade. So that's what's happening. Cade's seeing a lot of defense. He's seeing a lot of help come his way. And it's making all of his shots within the three-point line tough shots. Even the shots at the rim, they're all tough. Everything's been tough on him because they're going with a more defensive lineup for him. So, could his efficiency numbers be better? Yeah, if they had an offensive lineup around him, yeah, it could be better. But like I said earlier, it's clear that that's not what their plan is. Their plan is, hey, we know what Cade is. What we've seen from Cade, we're happy with. We know what he's going to look like once we decide to shift more towards offensive. But we think in the meantime, 
going, trying to set the defensive foundation will help Cade and will help us long term. So we will sacrifice some of the you know some of the clunkiness, some of the the bumpy road stuff on the way there. That's what it seems like to me that they've made very clear with their actions. So I think Cade could be helped. I, Cade needs help. He needs someone to help him out. He needs somebody to help him out. And they need to take the ball out of his hands a little bit. What I'd like to see, I know this is going to absolutely upset a hell of a lot of Pistons fans for some reason, but as long as Killian Hayes is going to be in the lineup, in the starting lineup, they should be giving the ball to Kate, or Killian a little bit more to just run the offense. Not to take shots, but to run the offense and create some stuff for Cade, for others. To, if you're going to have another ball handler in the lineup, the whole point of it is to take pressure off of Cade, where Cade doesn't have to do as much. So if you are going to have Killian in the lineup, especially with how Killian has been playing the last seven games, put the ball in his hands more and let him create for Cade so Cade can get a breath. He can get some easier shots. Let that happen. If you don't trust Killian to do that, why is he in the starting lineup then? I think it's clear they do or they wouldn't have him in the starting lineup. So try to balance that out a little bit more and get Cade some easier shots and take some of that pressure off of him. When Jane Ivy gets back, Jane Ivy should probably go in the starting lineup at some point. When Boyan comes back, he'll probably go in the starting lineup at some point. I think that will help with his efficiency. So efficiency-wise, I'm not worried about him. I, I think it's clear if you just watch the games that when Cade has an opt- optimal offensive lamp around him, his efficiency will rise. I think that's pretty clear. Just by watching the games, that will happen. The one area, though, that Cade himself just absolutely has to get better at, this is no one, uh, no one but him, and it actually has killed the Pistons in multiple games as his turnovers. He cannot continue to turn the ball over like he is, that right there, he has not been good enough at all, and it's actively killing the team, and it's lost the team a few games, no doubt. He has to get better at turn, turn the ball over. He cannot turn the ball over at the critical times like he has in some games. It's not just the amount of turnovers, it's when you're turning the ball over. There was a three-straight turnover sequence against the Portland Trailblazers that 100% lost in that game. It's not the reason, not the only reason, but it was a big reason why they lost the game because the Trailblazers scored on back-to-back-to-back possessions and took the lead. Like, that cannot happen. He has to get better at turning the ball over. His handle has to get a bit more tighter. I think he needs to be a little bit not as not as much lackadaisical offensively because sometimes it kind of feels like he's just... Now, Cade moves slow. He kind of plays at his own pace. He wants to kind of pick apart the defense, which I understand. But sometimes it, it, it kind of looks like he's, you know, coasting a little bit offensively. So I'd say that, would, that right there is a fair criticism that I will have for him. I'll be very fair about doing it. I know Ashton listens to the podcast. I know his brother checks out the podcast. I know Cade probably listens and has checked it out. Like, I love you guys. I, Cade, I think you're going to be a, a superstar in the future. But you have to get better with this. You have to get better with these turnovers. And then defensively, I think Cade has not shown the same level of energy in some games and not the same level of consistency. I thought in the Bulls game he tried defensively, but I think that was because his offense was really hurting him. He know He knew he had to help in some way. But before then, I think this has a lot to do with the amount of usage he has in the minutes he's playing, too. He's leads the league in minutes played, by the way, coming off a season-ending injury, coming off a season-ending surgery, and trying to get back into basketball shape. He's leading the league in, in minutes. He has a high usage. He's being asked to do everything for offense. So it's not shocking to me that he's struggling with efficiency right now, and he looks gassed at some points. But the turnovers have to stop. They have to, they have to stop. And defensively, I, I need him to be a little bit more consistent with the effort on that end. But outside of that, everything else I've watched, I think this Bulls game is the only truly bad game he's had. Every other game I felt like, yeah, he looks like Cade. I can very clearly see when when they get a good team around him, when they put optimal spacing about, around him, 
yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be he's gonna pop. He's gonna go crazy. Based off the things I'm seeing from him, I'm like, yeah. Now, yes, he's had stretches in games where he turns the ball over. He's had stretches in games where he'll be super efficient. And then the last four minutes of the game where he's gassed, he shoots like seven shots and misses them. And now that crashes his overall efficiency. That's happened probably about four or five times already this year. But I think that will help once he gets more help back, once he gets some of that usage taken away from him, he can save himself at the end of the game. He doesn't. He's not going to be absolutely gassed coming into a season where he's trying to get back in the game shape after missing all of last year. I don't think that's going to happen. So do I think Cage has been good enough? For the play-in, no. Do I think he's been perfect? No. Do I think he can be better? Absolutely, he can be better. But I don't think he's been bad at all either. And I think if you clearly watch the games and use context, you would see that this is kind of being, like, built to happen. Like, this is he's kind of being put into a situation where they know he's going to struggle with efficiency, and he's they know life's going to be harder on him offensively. In, in an effort, what they believe is going to help them more long-term, you just got to get through this part. So we'll see if they're right. But, like, I think it's very clear if Cade had help and spacing around him, like, he'd be fine. Like, he's looked, I thought he's looked good outside the turnovers. I, I, he looks good. He's had stretches where he looks like a pure superstar. Like, there's been, there's been quarters where he's just taking over games and, and he looks like a straight up superstar. So we'll see. When everyone gets back healthy, I want to have this conversation again. I think we'll be saying a different tune about Cade when everyone gets healthy. I mean, by the way, even with all that, I know his efficiency is a little bit down. And you want to get better. But even with that, he's averaging 23 points a game, 7 assists, 3.6 rebounds. Like, it's not – those are probably numbers that people expect him to have. We just wanted the efficiency to be a little bit higher. And with the situation he's had, I think it will get higher once everyone gets healthy. But ended up being a long segment. I didn't know if it was going to be short or long one. It ended up being a long one. Sorry about that. Let me know what you guys think about Cade. Comment section down below or over on Twitter at Cooker Hill. That's all I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Leave us a five-star review, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Sorry about my voice. Um, hopefully, I'm better in the next uh, for the next episode. Um, but until then, I'll see you guys later. Go Pistons. Till next time, peace out.